Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, Kevin's out on assignment, so I'm joined in the hosting chair by a special guest where we'll be talking about some of the stuff that he does as a podcaster himself and some of the other activities he partakes in, as well as our review for this week of the Chinese film League of Gods. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. And welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox. And coming to you from a secret comedy club in Fan Bingbing's basement is Mr. Stephen Ng. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Hello, nice. Well sir. Done, sir. Hello, sir. How Hello, are you Paul. doing? Uh, good, good. Um, yeah, just enjoying the summer. Uh, so for those of you who might, you know, be more familiar with you, at this point you'd be hearing the uh, sort of dulcet tones of Mr. Kevin Ma. Um, I'm joined by Stephen M, a fellow podcaster and resident here in Hong Kong. Um, yeah. So Stephen, tell, you know, why don't you tell the audience who may not be familiar with some of what you do a little bit about the podcast work you do and uh, the comedy work you do, because you're a comedian uh, as well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I work in, uh, live in Hong Kong, and yeah, I do uh, stand-up comedy on the side. Uh, we have uh, it's a growing scene. Uh, we have uh, three clubs now and pretty uh, frequent shows. Uh, if you wanted to come to Hong Kong, I recommend it as a night uh, part of your night entertainment. And I used to uh, host a podcast called Mofo's Ice Skating Uphill. We used to just review films. Uh, me and um, the co-host Kardeka Donkey. But uh, we just finished it off recently. We we got to about a uh, hundred, and we were like, okay, well, you know. And then we wanted to do uh, new things, so we right. we're still in the middle of that right now. But uh, we had you on a few times. You you've been a nice co-host, and uh, and it's nice to be a guest in your house now. Yes, so and I do appreciate the opportunity to come on yeah. and talk with you guys. And really, if you haven't heard the um, Mofo's podcast, go back and give it a listen. Um, it is quite timeless because the guys do basically stick to talking about, well, on most episodes, I think they talk about a single film, and they're very funny. I mean, they really have good timing, good sense of humor, and some very interesting critiques to say about the films they talk about, but they do it in a way that's uh, entertaining and humorous. So um, I think for most <laughs> of the listeners out there, you know, yeah. a lot of the films are easily accessible and it's a it's sort of a, a great companion piece to listen to um you know so it, it, it you know imagine i guess the equivalent would be something like uh seinfeld's uh you know comedians in cars um yeah what, what's comedians in the cars having coffee but then yeah. if they weren't just talking about comedy they were instead talking about like their favorite movies that's kind of the dynamic that you guys had going right yeah we we basically have a very uh I think we. I think it sounds combative. So uh, when we and Kartek speak, and then I think we use films as an excuse, and we kind of have these tangential conversations about different things mm -hmm. as we're going, and we're kind of arguing along a little bit, and it's kind of, fun, but all in good fun. Yeah, yeah. And you do have a variety of other guests on as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, over the course of the series, you know, so it's not just always the two of you. Um, no, kind no. of, you know, the dynamic does change from time to time. It does, it does, yeah. yeah. I think uh, three people is fun. So, <laughs> More fun. <laughs> yeah. So do check that out. Um, but also, as he mentioned, if you do come to Hong Kong, um, he's quite involved in the comedy scene here, the sort of small but slowly growing comedy scene. What What is that like? I mean, being a comedian in a place like Hong Kong that's, you know, the, the comedy here... Okay. In, in in film terms, it's very very different. Of course, you know, comedy is going to be culturally different wherever you go, but yeah. especially a place like Hong Kong, where you kind of have this binary division based on language, right? And yeah, oh, I, I like to say that yeah, I do I do do 
both. I, I perform in Cantonese and English. Um, like, like you, like that's what you're implying. Uh, I think um, for I mean for English first, it's kind of it's easier in the sense that the audience is already acclimated, like they're already used to uh, watching it, uh, stand-up comedy, like in a club um, uh, format, like like in a basement in a club, like how we do it in America. And they know how to act as an audience. Uh, they know, uh, like sometimes, you know, like with Chinese audiences, they, they don't, they, like, the laughing out loud part, they actually is quite muted sometimes because they don't know that it's okay to laugh because they feel maybe like if I'm laughing, I'm interrupting the thing. Mm-hmm. And they're generally more reserved. And it's uh, for some other comedians, they find it hard sometimes because it's a bit what we in comedians, we say like a bit of a cold response because they're maybe not giving as much as you would want them to, but they're being polite. So you kind of have to teach the Chinese audience uh, how to do it because we they see it um, they well, we had a stand up in uh, in Hong Kong only came a few years ago with De- Dao Wong mm. it's been in, in a few movies and he's sort of does he already started in in kind of like mini theaters and now he does them in stadiums so that's the way they <coughs> sorry excuse me mm. the way you uh, behave in a stadium is so much different than in like a t- like a like a basement in a low ceiling like like the way they do it in America and we have a lot more crowd work and a lot more uh, interaction going on than people are used to so I find that's the major difference um, for uh, and that's why English is easier because if we have English speaking audiences they kind of know what to do mm. they kind of know how to act uh, but for Chinese it's still for I think in my opinion it's still rather unexplored territory we were really we really just started uh, the scene, and uh, it's still growing, and it's growing slowly. Uh, and I think we've gotten more and more people doing it, so it's it's been it's been exciting. Yeah, it's it's not something that you. Te- I mean, outside of sort of the expat community, mm-hmm. I think most of the comedy that I've encountered has been more of a sort of a stage show. So yeah. you've got. Um, uh, really, actors like uh, people like Jim Chim, Jim Soyman, or Chung Tap Meng, who do these kind of humorous shows, but they're they're not so much a person just kind of getting out and standing at a microphone. A lot of times, it's skits involved, and sometimes maybe two or three extras on the stage as well. Um, and so that's the uh, in terms of like Cantonese comedy, I've experienced that a bit more than than I think uh, just sort of the traditional sort of stand-up comedy club style that we would be used to in, in the U.S. Do you think writing, when you when you perform, say, Cantonese uh-huh. humor, is very, very different? I mean, in terms of the process of coming up with jokes, is it very different from what you do when you go through the creative process for an English-speaking audience? Uh, yes and no. Depends on the, the content of the joke. But uh, I, I do believe, like, what I've done, like... Uh, having explored both doing both at the same time i recently did a show where i I did like an english set and then we had an intermission and we i I did a uh a cantonese set right afterward and i do find that you know there's uh, personality in language so uh what what a culture cares about or sensitive to or uh, what they find is humorous or their wordplay can be very different it can change it, there's a lot of variables there that will change the entire soup or, or the air of the place when 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 it's um when when you're, when you're making jokes but i think uh uh you know if you if you find some there's universal stuff to do too they'll mm-hmm. they'll connect and uh but the yeah i think the, like say something like what's a funny sound is probably different in different languages mm-hmm. and then wordplay is definitely different um what what's current is probably different you know because you know hong kong it's it's its own community in a sense like it has, it has its own personality there's right. a hong, there's a hong kong personality and uh i think it's different from you know the english speaking personality right um, right does that makes sense yeah yeah i for somebody who lives here i, I think it does i think I try and tell people 
when they come or people who haven't visited that Hong Kong, even though it's basically like a big city, yeah, there are different, they're, they're like completely different cultures almost. You've got sort of Hong Kong Island <laughs> culture yeah. you know, on Hong Kong Island itself. You've mm-hmm. got uh, Kowloon, yeah. which is very different. You've got the new ter- territories, which is very different. Then you've got like, yeah. people who live on the outlying islands. Right. You know, who, and and, <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's like almost going into different worlds sometimes in the way that people act, they communicate, they behave, their attitudes towards life and work and things right. can change very, you know, just in, in, in going these very short distances. And and then they, they they still, like, in between them, there's, like, kind of a Venn diagram where they all kind of meet as yeah, well. Yeah, there's this crossover, so, too. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're trying to hit a dart that, you know, sometimes you might do it for these people, but then you, you try to hit everybody as much as you can. And and it, it it's very, uh, it's, what I've found about it is, is, is writing Chinese material. You have to be more calculative about mm. it. Um, it's not something that I find funny necessarily because you might have a hard time, a harder time explaining it to the audience right, right. or delivering it to the audience. Yeah. Now, for people who also don't know you that well, you do uh-huh. have your foot or, or had your foot in uh-huh. films and film production, right? You worked yeah. on in, in, in a couple positions on local films. You've mm-hmm. done some indie work yourself. Yeah. Um, is 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 this something that you want to sort of uh, branch out into further in the future, uh, or did you kind of get a taste for it and think I'm going to stick with comedy and 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 doing something uh, maybe a little bit more in line with uh, you know with what you want to do? Uh, for now, I actually really like comedy. I really like that feeling of the live the live experience. Mm. Uh, comedy. It's so doing stand-up comedy is so it's probably the most fair out of every art form I think um, in that sense that like if you, it's all you it's hundred percent you you can't hide anywhere you just stand on stage there's no context to protect you you're not in a costume there's no script do you know what I mean yeah so it's all you and then you're performing your own material that you're writing and if if you get them laughing it's a hundred percent yours. And if you don't get them laughing, it's also 100%. I like that the justice of that. And uh, when you think something is funny and then if you can present it in the right way then and people see it, you connect right away. And I found I really fell in love with that because in film, you really have to do a lot more calculating and you don't know if it'll work. <laughs> right. That's why I think that's why I think comedy films are so hard to because they can't unless you test them 2000 times. Right, right. Which I think you should, maybe, but but uh, it, it'd be harder to make. So I, I really, for now, I've kind of fallen fall in love with the, that live experience. So I just kind of try to get on stage as much as I can in both the Chinese and English. Mm-hmm. For now, that's kind of exciting. Yeah. And do you do you gravitate towards um, sort of working out your jokes in advance, or do you prefer more of the sort of improv approach, or do you have a style that you have a lot locked onto or do you kind of still mm-hmm. are you still feeling for for your own sort of tone uh i like uh i i really i've what i've learned is when, well, when i started i just kind of you know you just write jokes and like they're like one sentence or like two sentences and then you, you go up and you tell them but that that's one level but i i think uh now i just kind of share uh weird thoughts and I, I i don't really write it out i just say it to myself many times and and then I'll just go up and say it, and then you kind of hear, um, like the how they want be to to hear it. They'll tell you the, the audience will tell you like if they they like it or or where 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 it falls short. Mm. So they cal- they kind of help you uh, cut it. So I, I guess I kind of just go up and tell them, and then I just kind of listen to their reaction. I just adjust from there. It's mm. very it's very verbal. It's very. Uh, and uh, I'm kind of always sputtering through it. It's not precise, and you know, so I, I, that way I, uh, I like doing it like that. I think that's the style for now. Uh, when I started, it was actually more, it was more like a like a nerdy, uh, geeky humor, mm-hmm. kind of like um, I would re- read like poetry, and and <laughs> they'd be like kind of these insane uh, college. I was like a college kid making jokes, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now it's not like that. I'm, I'm an old man now. Right, right. 
<laughs> so you've evolved over time. Right? I've evolved, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, as we get to the sort of wrap-up for the episode today, I will sure. um, have Stephen put out some of the links where you can find out more about him and some of the shows he's doing, as well as maybe seeing, you know, if you're not in Hong Kong, I think he's got some of his stuff up on YouTube as well, so you get a chance to see um, him actually doing uh, some of this very good work. Why don't we take a short uh, musical break and we'll come back and we're going to actually talk about a film that uh, maybe has some comedy in it, although it might be unintentional. And we're going to talk about the big sort of summer blockbuster coming out of China, the CGI spectacular League of Gods. Welcome back. Our film review for this week is the Chinese CGI spectacular League of Gods. Uh, the story here is actually a story taken from a somewhat famous novel um, called the Feng Shen Yang Yi by Zhu yep. Zhonglin. And this is something that's, I've, I've seen this in multiple iterations. I think there's like a very popular sort of online app-based MMO game uh, with the same name and the same kind of characters, though it's not it's not taken from this film so it, it you know like many famous sort of chinese fantasy stories like the monkey king and others this has been something that's had iterations over the years um the basic story though is when king zhou threatens to wipe out the last remnants of the daiji tribe a group of heroes led by lei the last descendant of the wing tribe go on a quest to retrieve a magical sword um, this is the only weapon capable of defeating king zhou and King Zhou himself, he's kind of this um, heavenly emperor. emperor figure, but he's been kind of possessed by a big black dragon. So he's kind of got like this, I guess like a split personality thing yeah. kind of going um, on, right? In the original, oh, so this, uh, this story is based off of uh, like, it's a, they, myth, they mythicized a uh, historical event about the, uh, the ending of this kingdom, basically, because... This this king in history was seduced by his concubine, I think, and uh, she, basically she ran him, and then he ran things, and then they just took that story and made a mythic version of it with gods and stuff. So in in the story, she's actually a fox spirit, because um, in uh, in Chinese, uh, like a fox is uh, known to be devious and and cunning so that that's what she's supposed to be she's supposed to be a fox demon yeah. but you we, we've uh, seen the fox you, demon too right in and the, painted skin um before and painted skin yeah too, yeah right? so so that it's but in the film it's a it's a black dragon I, I don't really understand but they still call her a fox yeah that was although her, her tail isn't very serpentine more so no than, no no it's uh yeah yeah we'll talk about that more but uh yeah yeah that was a good intro that was a good intro i think uh so as far as um a lot of big, a lot of big actors here for uh hong kong uh we have tony leung as the king cho and fun bing bing as the um as the queen or the woman that seduces him and a few more jet lee's in it yes jet lee has um, a kind of he doesn't star in it um and then we have Louis Ku, who's on the King Chow side, and Angela Baby's in it, and uh, Wen Zhang, who I like, who plays Nu Jia, who's a, who's a god basically. Yeah. He's the uh, th he has three arm, six arms. He's on wheels. Yes, the the fire wheels. Fire I, wheels. I, I'll have a lot to say about him <laughs> a little a bit later. 
Um, and also sure. Jackie Hung as uh, Jackie Hung, who is the son of uh, producer Charles Hung. Charles Hung, yeah, a somewhat controversial figure in yeah, the filmmaking uh, world. <laughs> yes, he's. Uh, they say he's a gangster. Yeah. Uh, but he's yeah he's uh, and he's also in God of Gamblers. He's the badass assassin. Yep. Remember he can shoot and kill everybody. <laughs> so you don't want to mess with him, right? You don't want no no you don't want to mess up with him on film or in life. Yes. So what was your what was your takeaway um, from this? You you know the the general reception anytime we see one of these sort of big China CGI blockbusters right, is right. tends to be pretty negative because a lot of times they're throwing money at the CGI and most of the time it doesn't work very well. Um, I mentioned oh. before that I was very impressed with The Monkey King 2 earlier this year. I think that... The, that um, was the Aaron Kwok sequel? Yes, movie? yeah. They, they replaced Donnie Yen, right? Right, They replaced, he replaced yeah. Donnie Yen in the title role. But they, the, in terms of the CGI, they really did a very good job of depicting things like a Chinese dragon and um, some of the other things that traditionally mm -hmm. would have come across as very sort of play tape, PlayStation 2-esque looking, right? Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I don't, I haven't seen that movie. I've seen, I saw the Donnie Yen one. Yeah, that one was atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> like special effects wise or, yeah or, yeah or, or it was it was way uh, for for that one the the green screen was way was really bad and yeah. um some of some of the animated mythical creatures just didn't look like they fit in the space and they really made dramatic improvements in the second film and uh, uh, from what i'm told uh, the director got more money and he got a lot more freedom to do what he well, wanted to do so i'll say this league of gods looks better than that first monkey king yeah and i think it, it incorporates this thing that i saw with the baby version of nerja mm -hmm. is that they use the they use similar technology from that that monster hunt movie that yeah. i didn't see as well so like so and the whole film takes from like superhero and uh, fantasy aesthetics does that make sense from mm -hmm. Hollywood yeah so for example like you have a guy with wings he's flying like the way they shoot they, they shoot their powers mm -hmm. like one shoots electricity and there's a, there's a there's a part where like some somebody look that they have a creature that looks like an orc from uh, war of um, Warcraft. Warcraft yeah, Warcraft, yeah. So there, there's aesthetics like that, and they're using similar film language, and it's kind of cool to me. Now, the way I saw this film, I, I saw this well actually a week early because I was in mainland. I was in uh, Fuzhou, and uh, they have 4DX. Oh, they actually have it here too. I just found out. So I saw this movie in 4DX in Fuzhou for like sixty dollars, like sixty kwai, mm -hmm. which is pretty good, and uh, that was. I think that is the way to see this movie because um, have you have you seen a movie in 4DX? No, Paul? not yet, not yet. So you, do you know what what's like? Um, not really. I mean, my assumption is that it's going to be a bit like an IMAX experience, only not in in terms of such a large scope for the screen, right? Uh, no, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like like a mini more a version of IMAX, but it's like IMAX, and then you you get in the chair. The chair is kind of like that Star Wars ride in Disney World, mm -hmm. like where it rocks back forth. It can pivot. It can um, turn and twist and stuff. It can move every way. Oh, so it's, it's actually like a 4D experience? Yeah, and it's vibrating the oh. whole time. Now, see, I, don't, so, I, don't, I don't know if I'd go for that. <laughs> and then they have smoke machines, mm -hmm. and they have um, wind machines that blow at you uh, mm -hmm. from the top end of the theater from different directions, and then... Uh, they have uh, they made a lightning effect too on this on the top uh, of the ceiling as well. Mm -hmm. So when the when the guy shoots electricity, you see blue flashing as well. Mm -hmm. And it's the way to see this movie. I have to be honest because like uh, this movie, it fits it entirely well. Uh, so when they were fighting, we were being rocked around and it's vibrating and and then so say like um, if they took off like uh, when someone flew. When Nuja flies or something like that on his wheels, mm. it's kind of like Superman taking off. They'll they'll puff they'll this puff of air that they'll blow at you. Right, and it's great. I, I liked it like that. 
Now, maybe, when maybe, I maybe that would have helped be Batman versus Superman. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And then they did they do some subtle things too. So say like uh, you know how there are a lot of crane shots lately in uh, Chinese movies, like yeah. for no reason, like they'll have something and then they'll go up or they'll come up and come down. So so like when they go up, they kind of um, they kind of tilt you on the side, like a like kind of like a Dutch tilt mm-hmm. your chair. So you're kind of sitting on the side as you're going up. So there's this kind of little floating feeling. So they they have a lot of different settings for it, and it's it's actually pretty fun. Now, I, I don't know if I would have liked the movie as much if it, I didn't see it like this. So. Mm-hmm. And um, do, do you have any control like of your chair? Can you turn that stuff off, or is it no, you're no. just there for the ride? No, it, it, it makes the movie into a ride. Mm. I don't know if Batman v Superman would have been good, because they don't have that much... That, that much um, it gets it's, it's pretty quiet, right. up to, maybe up to the end. Yeah, maybe. But mm. uh, this movie's nonstop, so it's kind of good in that sense. Right. Right. Yeah. In terms in terms of the overall narrative, though, what did mm-hmm. you think? Because for me, you know, it's basically a guy going on a quest to get a magic sword to defeat uh-huh. a big bad. So it's pretty. In, in that sense, it's 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 a little bit bland, I would say. And now. I'm, my assumption is that this is kind of targeted for a slightly younger demographic, obviously, um, especially once we get into talk about the. There's a lot of, of box Naya. ticking. Say that. Yeah. There's there's a lot of box ticking for this film. Um, you're asking me about the story. Uh, well, I, I you said you saw the t- like I see this is one of the um, the less it's not as popular as uh, Journey to the West, so I don't. I actually never seen this on TV before as a kid. I don't actually know the story, and when, when my, uh, my girlfriend seen, was like saying she wants to see it, yeah, I've seen I was the like, game version of it. Um, uh-huh. But I would, I would think that there's been at least a TV drama or two. Over no, the years. yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there has been. Um, I, well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, with with mythic storytelling on film, it's hard to do deep characters do you know what i mean like yeah. i i think um myths were usually spoken in the past like one from one person to another so the way that translates onto film usually makes for very shallow characterization or people are super simple right we have all 100 percent good versus 100 percent bad there's no gray area usually so i find that in every kind of story, uh, mythic storytelling like when they did uh, 47 Ronin I thought it was like it felt like it was trapped in that as well mm-hmm. and when they did Noah it was tra- like even like Darren Aronofsky couldn't really make it more interesting than it is because that's that's as far as it can go it's a guy it's 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 a guy hearing God to tell him to make put him on a mission and he goes on the mission right and there's no he doesn't he can't there's no space to almost doubt that or, or have any in that contraption. Um, so I, I accept that already. And if you accept that part of it, it's hard to uh, it's harder to judge it, but it's easier to enjoy. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like yeah. when when people are like when they're the way they people, I think besides the main character uh, Jackie Chung, is it? He was Charles Chung's son. Jackie Hung, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and he's he's like this. He's from he's the last descendant of this of tribe a, called the Wing Tribe. They're basically yeah. like you know angels or something. They have wings and they fly and they have a flying kingdom. And their kingdom's already been destroyed. Yeah, and he hasn't flown like he's he has this thing like he hasn't he has to embrace his wings again. Like he doesn't fly for and then he has to learn how to to, to yeah. take him out again. Um, I think it was. Fine. I, I just thought the the guy leading it was a he was a bit boring to watch, mm-hmm. but uh, I thought everybody around like I like Tony Leung, I like Fan Bingbing. I think she's well cast in that role. Oh, they had they had when she came out in the th- in my in my theater they had perf- perfume. Oh, so <laughs> you, you you smell you can smell like very television yeah prostitute perfume or something <laughs> when she, every time she came out. So. She didn't smell like a fox, you know, just a fox spirit. <laughs> fox by, <laughs> by Calvin Klein. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, 
that could have been an endorsement there. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, I think so. The story doesn't bother me. I just I just think uh, the guy going through the story was a bit boring because he seemed kind of bland. Right. But I think uh, the like the veteran actors are were stronger. I really liked Wen Zhang as the the adult version of Nuja. Mm. Now, see, really, I'm, I'm in the opposite camp. He brings the life into it. No, I'm not talking about the baby version. We can we can talk about the baby version. Yeah. But what, what what bothered you about Wen Zhang? Because for me, it? I I'm a fan of the the Naja story. Okay, uh-huh. and there I when I was a kid, I watched this uh, animation from the Shanghai studio called uh, Naja Battles the the uh, heaven the the Dragon Kings. Uh huh. And basically, what I think they did is they kind of took that a segment from that story and and just redid it here you know so we we if you're not familiar with with naja he's a childlike deity yeah. who's you know he has a kind of divine birth um depending on the story you see sometimes he comes out of a peach and in fact there's some taiwanese movies like child of peach and magic of spell um wow. for those of you guys who listen to the uh the podcast on fire podcast kenneth has covered these before these are like older i want to say 1970s 1980s films right that that cover this sort of child deity and so he's supposed to be like powerful but you know also have a sense of innocence uh, or in some cases mischief to him and so they go for him here as he's you know done in sort of cgi and there's a little bit of a almost a uncanny valley at times because you have to get used to the look but the look i think is really taken from traditional chinese art so for me it kind of worked really well and i really liked the child form and the fact that they had him shift to an adult form for part uh-huh. of the movie you know played by um uh wen zhang i was kind of disappointed because for me wen zhang did not embody you know, Naja uh-huh. as, and he's, he's been done. I mean, there's a, there's a, a Shaw brothers movie where one of the, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, an adult actor played, you know, Naja before it's been done before, but I was so happy to see him. Oh, in this I know sort, what you're talking about. This sort of, you know, childlike um, mischievous version that I just wanted him in that form all the time. But one thing that they end up doing, and it kind of felt like filler for this story, is basically he swims back down to the palace of the Eastern Sea Dragon and causes havoc again, right? This is a, a second causing of havoc because that's what he does in his origin story. He goes down and, yeah. and he rips the spine out of the prince and uh, he uses yeah. that as kind of like a golden lasso slash whip thing. Um, and he causes havoc for, for the king. And so he goes down, and they recreate that here. And I thought that was great. That was sort of like my favorite part. And, you know, if, if Kenneth's listening, he'll be happy to know that the the uh, tradition of face pissing for these na- these sort of Naja films continues because they really you, go all out in that scene. You know, I, I, I've noticed that. I, uh, uh, I, I didn't bother me because there's this thing in, um, in, with peeing in, in Chinese myth. Mm-hmm. or storytelling that it's used as a source of humor and um i'll give you an example like in uh, monkey king there's one part where he tries to outrun the uh the goddess mm-hmm. and he uh so like monkey king goes he just basically goes to the limit of the universe and he sees uh, like a little like a mountain and then he or he pees around he pees on it and then he comes back to the uh is it the Buddhist Godiva or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like the the lady that's talking to him, and then she opens her hand, and and you see that she peed on her, uh, like one of her fingers or something like that. Yeah. So he never escaped the her palm of the palm of her hand, and I do think that's it's used as a, a source source of humor in that kind of uh, storytelling that I've seen. Like I've seen, I like I've seen it in writing. I've seen it in children's books. So it's, yeah, it's kind yeah. of okay. I think I guess we think of P differently in the West, and then this the seems um, gratuitous or something. But yeah. well, uh, the, I think the, it's in, the big difference the, here is they kind of go for a almost like a fire hose effect. It's yeah, really powerful, has, but it's he funny. He's like a camel. Yeah, man. it's really yeah, funny. Yeah. 
It's like a little baby. The baby didn't bother me. I, I could see it being annoying but to other people. No, I thought, I thought it was good. I thought it was um, actually cute. But I, you know, it, it worked well to sort of embody this super spiritual child, much more so than I think if they just cast a human kid, right, If they like they would have done in the 70s or the 80s. So, so you, this is a case where you, you actually prefer if you stayed a CG character. Yes, yes. I, see, that's that's the thing. I liked him so much case, as the child. I, I, did, I was kind of annoyed when he would pop up as uh, as the actor Wen Zhang. And I know, you know, bring Wen Zhang in because he's a big you know, a big name and he's going to add gravitas to the cast list and he's going to pull in um, you know, a certain yeah. demographic of, of ladies, and th- and that's all fine. But I would have been happier had they just kept him as the CG child the whole time. L- let me ask you this. This reminds me of uh, the Hulk, actually. Like, so, like, it's kind of like when Bruce Banner turns into Hulk, do you see a dis- Do you feel that disconnect? Um, well, I mean... Uh, like, when the baby turns into... Do you feel better... Watching, you know, the Hulk smash or Doctor Banner talks. Well, <laughs> yes, you know, what it's, Josh Whedon yeah. cracked because up till the first Avengers movie, uh, they they had separate actors play yeah. the parts, but they had, but the the Ruffalo Hulk mm-hmm. is him. Like yeah. the eyes are the same. Yeah, no, they did a good and job. I, modeling. They connected, but when when this, I can see it in this movie. When the kid became Wen Zhang, uh, it felt like a different person. Yeah, there's they d- they didn't do a good connection, and I so I, I wanted I to see the kid version at the end, right in the big sort of finale fight. I, yeah, I think he technically would be more tactical if he was smaller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it, but I no, I but that character, I mean, in whatever form is, I think is the price of the ticket for me mm-hmm. because he kind of. Gave he kind of breathed life into this. Like I yeah, think that character, yeah. I don't know. He's, he's he's somehow compelling. He's he's cute and he's combative. He wants to fight things and and it's kind of he's kind of innocent as well. So you kind of just you kind of gravitate to him. Um. So was, so I think he takes the show away from the main character. Yeah, definitely. We the we also we also do have Wang Xiaoming. Well, Xiaoming, who's Erling kind of, uh, Shen, but we don't really get a lot with him. He kind of just goes off, finds and his I, armor I, I, and his dog, and I, shows up at the end. No, you don't even. You, no, he just comes back to him, yeah. already fully formed. So, like when they they like um, they release him, like he was captured in a way, and then the, he just runs off to his own adventure that's off screen, and then he comes back later, fully formed. I, I was I was curious about that. Yeah, I wonder how how long is this movie? Do you, um. um. God, it's, see, uh, it's 109, 109 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, if you gave me, I would have sat there for maybe 10 more minutes or 20 minutes, maybe 15, 15 yeah. to, for that. And that, for that, there, that, that may, there may be that footage out there. They may, you know, may have made the decision to cut it for whatever reason. Um, do, do you feel that? I feel like it's a cameo for some reason. I don't know. It's because that's such a popular character too. I mean, that's and, a character and, yeah, that has been spun off care. into Dragon Ball and people, you know, know that character from games and things. And they did. They, oh, it, it oh. didn't really f- feel like they gave him due diligence at all. Are you saying Tien from Dragon Ball is because he had the third eye? Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's from, spun he's off from off. this character. Yeah. And oh. he, this is this is a character who's also like Naja fought the Monkey King, and you know he's shown up in, um, you know other points of mythology too. So yeah, uh, no, he's, he's not a, well a lesser known... character in any way, but he gets shafted in this yeah. thing. He comes back looking like uh, like he's in um, Saint Sia. Yes, yes, indeed. That is definitely. <laughs> Did you a, not feel that? Yeah. I, well, I didn't so, feel it, but but now that you say that, you know, that definitely springs to mind. Yeah, but I wish I wish he got more because I think when he looks good as that character. Yeah. Uh, so I I wish he got more. Uh, so, but. But the it's mostly the uh, the lay of the Wing Tribe story, with Naja as his partner. I think right. he kind of just comes in fully formed. And... and added into the mix, of course, we also have Mrs. Wang Xiaomeng, or better known as uh, Angela it's, Baby, yeah. as a character. I think her name is Blue Butterfly. Yep. And she's basically this. It's a um, robot. <laughs> she's a robot. Well, like a Pinocchio or automaton that's kind of brought to life to serve as a. No, what spy. we mean by 
is that she's kind of like an empty vessel. It's like if you... She's kind of like uh, uh, Haley Joel Osment from AI. Mm. As in, like, she has consciousness, but she doesn't... She sort of doesn't have a sense of herself. And she's being controlled and programmed what to do, and she just does it. And you can totally wipe her memory. So she has no sense of herself from, like, in a... Like she has no sense of time, I think. I'm, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to explain it to the audience. Um, so she's just there, and uh, to kind of follow the protagonist as he goes to search for his sword, and she's acting as a spy for uh, Louis Koo. Right, but she becomes the, somewhat the, romantically attached to the lead. Um, so so like so for yeah and I was going to talk about that so like you know how like he he just falls in love so quickly yeah that that is okay for this kind of story for me mm-hmm. now do you find that's hard to take or do you find like you take it when that happens because you're like I, I, I just don't think there was enough there yeah in terms of the development for me because it just seemed like it. he liked her because that was the first lady he ever met yeah. and she's pretty and and she liked him because she doesn't know any better and, and he has body yeah she does yeah you know and and but again i think if you're a younger you know if you're a 13 14 year old you're gonna look at that and go whoa you know that that's gonna work for uh, <laughs> you, you're, you're not gonna really need a deeper development than than that um and i think that's really the target the, the key target demographic they were going for with this uh-huh, for the uh-huh. most part yeah sure um uh next up i you know what i really like jet lee in that role though yeah jet lee thought, gets the Be- benjamin button curse so he's <laughs> uh in in history he's like the strategist for the good guys for the 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 country they're attacking and they made him basically into kind of a is he immortal or is he a yeah. sorcerer? I don't. I think he's. Not... I think he's supposed to be like an incarnation of Tai or you know, like one of the more powerful white eyebrow immortals. So um, I, I, that's kind of how they I, make him look, and and he seems pretty powerful. But I interpret it like uh, he's a guy that achieved like an enlightenment, and then yeah. he he's has God st- status, but he used to be a dude. Yeah. Yeah. So this thing, I, I don't know if you noticed this in uh, a gently. Uh, really grew into a better actor, uh, especially like in his later days. And I feel like uh, the way he speaks in real life, uh, my, my girlfriend pointed this out when we were watching it, he's, he's just, like, that's how he talks in real life. He has now, this did you, very, did, like, you, you guys saw the Mandarin dub, I'm guessing, right? I saw the Mandarin. Did you see him Cantonese? Yeah, we saw it. It was a Cantonese oh, okay. dub. Okay, then I recommend, I actually recommend seeing the original dialogue. I think it's better. Because Jelly has this very specific way of speaking it's it's very like uh, like ah blah, 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 blah. It, and it's quite charming mm-hmm. and i i find that quite charming and he kind of put it in this dude and he made it like there's a conflict going on but the way he uh the way he's it's almost not he's so chill about it <laughs> and yeah. it makes it cool so i i i mean he didn't do that he, that's not how, how he played wong fei hong for example so i thought Okay, this this is quite a charming way to play this guy, and I I kind of like him in this role. He's kind of a supporting part, would you say? I, I don't know. You can say even yeah. a cameo, but, but he's Though it's he, not he his does story. have. He, they do give him a little bit of action. I know that on some of the forms, people were like wondering: is he you know is he just showing up as an old man for a second, or because he, he's said you know he's multiple times in the past that he's kind of done with action, and then every couple of years he comes out with a another he action film like cameo but he doesn't really fight that much yeah uh he ha- i think he is ha- he has a thyroid thing going on right now doesn't he he has I, uh, I don't know what could be he's sick with something i saw a picture of him and uh i don't know if this is his paparazzi but they were saying he had like some some thyroid problem or something so mm. he's treating something but he looked he looked all right in the film i don't know yeah he looked fine and one of the things he's doing at least in terms of taking on roles yeah. is um, if you look at, for example, like uh, the, the last couple movies he's done, um, Sorcerer and the White Snake or Flying Swords of Dragon Gate, Badges of Fury, um, to a smaller extent, something like The Expendables, right? 
um, or even <laughs> oh. this is he's kind of stepping back and he's taking on these more um, the, the, these characters that are more mentorish and letting yeah. younger actors kind of come to the fore, which is something that I've argued for a long time that I think, you know, uh, somebody like Jackie Chan, this is a, a transition he has yet to make. You know, he's still, uh, he still wants to be the center of attention for films that he makes. Um, and I'm always very appreciative when an, when an actor, you know, who's been in the limelight says, okay, now it, I kind of need to be here in a, and, and shift the kind of roles I've taken in the past, right? Yeah. Uh, did you see, I, I haven't seen him in that movie. Actually, Wen Zhang is in it. I think he p plays someone who's like mentally disabled and Jet Li plays his dad and they yeah, go yeah. to like, um, aquarium. Ocean Heaven. It's a, is that a good movie? Yeah, it's really... Because uh, I heard really he good. was good in He's that. He's very good in that, yeah. He doesn't punch one thing in that. <laughs> no. no it's, not like, it's nothing like that at all. He has like glasses and he's just care he's just kind of nursing this his son, right? Yeah, that it's not yeah, basically. So, uh, I don't know. I, I thought um, I started seeing that shift when when he did Danny the dog. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I was like, oh, he's he really wants to say something. Like I think he's getting into a a phase in his life where he wants to make once he wants to put his own message in in things, and yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think he's done because I, I guess it's really tiring being a kung fu movie star. It's it's exhausting physically. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, you know, why not stop? You know, mm -hmm. it it is funny to see them sort of de-age him throughout the film. Yeah. So what what happens? So what Paul's talking about is like he he's actually an old dude when you when you see him. And uh, spoilers, but uh, he gets hit by a spell. Uh, thrown at him by Fan Bing Bing. Basically that reverses his aging. Therefore it takes him down from his immortal status back into a human. I, I, that's how I understand it. But his power is basically he's losing his, his magical abilities basically. And, he's, and he's, he's also forgetting his knowledge as well. Yeah. So, um, so by so, so uh, I don't know. Uh, spoilers again. You can cut this out if you want. Like by the end, he's not Jet Li anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like you see another actor play it, like this kid, like a teenage version of him. Yeah, and ultimately but, uh, this builds to, I guess, the a, a very sort of traditional climax with a, you know, a, a sort of big bad as the emperor orders the assault on the final stronghold of the Daiji tribe and. They get back, they fight, and then the film does something that uh, was a little bit outside of my expectation in that it pulls a it, it pulls a kind of empire strikes back move in that it just kind of ends <laughs> and it leaves things hanging. Uh, I was kind of surprised by that, to be honest. I was like, I thought this was just one contained movie. Yeah. But at the end, you're like, oh, 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 it's a two-parter. Well, we hope. I don't know because they've done this it before. It seems like it. Well, they've done this before. They did this. Um, I think it was with a Jet Li movie, in fact. Where was it? Semi Gods and Semi Devils, or the Kung Fu Cult Master, where they were they set it up to plan for a sequel. I think it was Kung and Fu then, Cult Master, and, and then, then the film did it. poorly, and they never made the sequel. So all you have oh. is sort of this first film that ends on a cliffhanger, and there's <laughs> no resolution to it. It's like. Days of being wild with Tony Leung, like <laughs> yeah. combing his hair, and then we never see him again. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm hoping that at least you know this film does well enough that they'll decide to, if they haven't already done it, they it might no. be that they've already filmed it. I'm not sure. Uh, do you know it. how how is it how is it done? Because we 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 did see it. Uh, I think people enjoyed it uh, where we saw it. I think people laughed, and I mean I, I saw it in a very intense version of it, but uh, yeah. I saw it the day it came out, so I I, can't, I couldn't tell. I mean, the, well, the, it was it seemed to be a fairly, um, I'd say seventy five percent full mm -hmm. when I went to it. Um, I went to Did it the day it was released in Hong Kong. Uh huh. So, um, I've and I've heard it's getting you know somewhat mixed response, um, in terms of ticket sales. But with stuff like this, it's always hard to tell because, um, you, you know. Do you think that, People in Hong Kong like movies like this, though. Um, it's it's hard to say. Um, oh, it's hard to say. You know, I think that 
if the if it's done well and uh-huh. it gets good buzz then uh-huh. then people will go see it but i think if they think it's just another sort of co-production being forced upon them that uh-huh. many may not be pulled in by it because they've been there have been so many of these in the past where the the effort really just hasn't paid off in terms of what the look of the film or the sort of the CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I'm okay. It, it wasn't a terrific film, but I definitely want to see it, the resolution of it. So yeah, I'm yeah, hopeful yeah. that they can, they can get further with it. And mm-hmm. uh, for those who do get a chance to see it, do note that there is a mid credit sequence, um, but nothing at the very end. So, Oh, remind me what it was again. I, I did see it. It was, uh, um, I, I forgot. I just, yeah, I, just, me too, me too. I just wrote I, down the note that, yes, there was a mid-credit sequence. I, I, I don't remember if it, was, if it was the Tony Leung scene. Tony Leung uh, uh, has something possess him or something like that, or, or like he gets some kind of power. Oh, he, he, gets in, he gets in some different garb. Yeah. I forget. I, I don't remember he, if it was him, him holding oh, the Oh, I remember or, now. The, the black dragon takes him. Ah, uh, yeah, so, that's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then he's, I, I believe what's possessing the fox spirit, mm. or Fan Bing Bing, is possessing the king as well now. Right, right. That's how I understand it. Right. Did you have a favorite, like, uh, set piece or a sequence? Yeah, just for me it was the undersea. The, the me ha- too, the me Havoc too. in the undersea kingdom. I thought, I thought they could have done more with the under, uh, under the sea thing, but... Uh, it was a nice cameo from. Did you know that was Jordan Chan as the uh, underwater king? Oh, was it? No, I did not. Yeah, he's like in heavy make. He looks kind of lizardy. Yeah, I did not recognize him at all. He was the he was the king, East Sea Dragon King. He's the Sea Dragon King, and he's like he wants his son back. Yeah, and um, that was so okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what would be your sort of final your final your thoughts? Final, final thought on it? Yeah. If you can see it in 40x for $60, then goes. it's really enjoyable. I can't, I probably would never watch it again. Uh, I, here's the thing. I think you can go through this movie, picking it apart for characterization, and you can probably see a lot of stuff that you've seen before from Hollywood movies, and you might get this feeling like, oh, they're copying it from there, and they're using it. But I do think they're incorporating stuff that, like different technologies. I think these technologies are still kind of gathered, being gathered together, and we're tr- they're trying to find it a way for it to fit a Chinese story in there. So I'm on all support for that. But like something like um, when they escape from the castle mm-hmm. from uh, Louis Ku, you can that did that not remind you of the the scene in The Hobbit where they're on the river? Yeah, yeah. And then Legolas is like catching up to them. It, yeah. They had that feeling to it, didn't it? But yeah, like, I it. think you can look at that as like a negative. But for me, I'm like, okay, well, they're they're learning, and clearly the technology has improved because that that baby Nuja, I sw- I think if they wanted to, they could have used that for the whole movie. Yeah, I would. Definitely and it would have been great. Like it would have been a live character. It, it it seems lifelike to me enough to to go. So and then you know the even the like the orc creature is it's okay. I, I, you know I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. I think the way you're supposed to. I, I so I don't really I'm not I don't feel cynical toward this movie in, in any way. I don't know. So it's like a seven to me. I I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, think I like to see the end of it. I like I care enough to see the end of it. Yeah, I think I put it at about a six five uh, six point five just yeah, because. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of cliffhangers where I don't know that I'm getting a, no, you know, a I, sequel. No, I wish they wrote here. like part one or like volume one or something. Yeah. Then, but uh, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And then, um, I don't know, Fan Bing Bing is really beautiful. Um, yeah. Angela Baby plays Angela Baby like a prank person. Yeah. A mannequin. And, <laughs> <laughs> she, she is kind of, yeah, she is one. And I, I, I wish the... Uh, I wish uh, Charles Hung's son was 
could carry a movie better, but but I, I don't know. Maybe he could one day. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think he was in. Um, he, he's probably the, the, the weakest Chi, one. The Tai Chi movies with uh, Angela Baby. If I oh, correctly. oh, is he? The comedic uh, ones. Um, I think so. I, I might be confusing him with. Uh, Remember Stephen Fong directing that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's not in his filmography. I must be confusing him with another guy. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, you know, it's it's a it's it's fine. It's kind of throwaway for the most part. But for right. me, if you're a fan of like Naya or or any of those stories, it's uh, no, definitely um, worth checking out. I was I was charmed by it enough. Like I like I like Tony Leung in that role. I like Jet Li in that role. I, you know, there's a lot to like here. Um, it's 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 too easy to be cynical to it. I think so. Yeah. No, I think the, the 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 point. I do agree with the point on. They're getting better at certain yeah. things, and they're and eventually they'll get to a point where they're really great at doing these kinds of things. And I think. Right. Well, as I said, you know, I kind of had that feeling coming off of Monkey King Two. I mean, Monkey King One was. And more of an experiment monkey king 2 they knocked it out of the park so just so for example just from talking to you now like the way you felt about the first monkey king with donnie yen and then you said the cgi wasn't very good you didn't say that about this movie this movie the cgi is good enough to not the, be distracting it, well it, there was a couple parts where i think it was a bit uneven um yeah. but in terms of the 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 overall scope of it i think it was you know definitely better um, than average. I mean, comparing it with maybe Monkey King or last year's Zhangkoi and the Snow Girl and the Dark Crystal, um, that you can definitely see lots and lots of progress. So, where in the where in the weak spots for you for this movie? Because I I know they probably have different companies working on different sequences. The the offer. yeah they had. I was looking at the end. They had dozens of um, of of different Correct. creation yeah. houses. The the slide sequence when they're escaping in the beginning I thought was a little weak and the ships they have these like flying ships that the armies are kind of invading on it, it kind of looks like those flying ships from Thor when they in yeah. the Asgard yeah um, I just so thought, it, it, I thought those were a bit weak um, at times some of the green screening in a few places was a little bit off at times but like I said you've got extended sequences like the extended fight sequence at the end yeah. is very good the extended Naya sequence is excellent. So, um, you know, it kind of, you know, it's it's a little bit of a roller coaster, I think, where you've got some really great stuff, you've got some stuff that doesn't work so well. It's it's not the legend of Zoo, let's put it that way. No, <laughs> that's definitely not. <laughs> They've come a long that, way. That was, did you see, have you seen that film? <laughs> yes. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's All also right. Lewis Koo. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, wings, indeed. yeah. Um, I don't know, seven. All right, uh, probably watch it in theaters, never see it again. That's what I would suggest. I don't think you could watch this on your computer and like it. Mm. That'd be a, a different experience. Yeah, VCD is not advised. No, no. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right. Well, you have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jaboer of Snowza Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. We also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. So if you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com. You can catch us on Twitter, twitter.com at concast. Our email is eastscreen at gmail.com, and you can find us over on Facebook at eastswests. But I do urge you to go online and check out our very gracious host today, Mr. Stephen Mm. Sir, where can they find out more about what you do, the work you're doing, and all of that good stuff? <laughs> uh, I guess Twitter at N-G-C-H-I-K-I-U. That's my Chinese name, M-G-Q, N-G-C-H-I-K-I-U, uh, which is great. Now I have to start posting again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do anything. But you do, I, I, you do, you do, no, you, but I will start posting shows again. You do, st- you do announcements on Facebook when you're doing comedy shows? Yeah, yeah. And um, do you have you have post stuff on YouTube, right? 
I I used to. Uh, I'll I'll put a few up again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'll I'll do that the next time. And then I'll stop doing that. <laughs> well, so he's a, he, he is out there. You can check his feeds but you, and find yeah, his uh, work. Com- uh, where I'll be performing, you can check out is uh, comedy.hk. We have open mics and frequent shows, and also uh, stand up uh, hyphen HK. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. All right, our next episode two hundred two. We're going to be talking about Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. So all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying, never make Naya angry. You won't like him when he's angry. And we'll see you next time. Ninja? Okay. Uh.